Pastor, this morning, I want to talk to you about biblical authority, living by the authority of Scripture. So, so turn in your Bibles to Luke, uh, the Dr. Luke, the chapter 5. And, and here, here's, I want to speak to you about, well, this chapter here talks about Peter being obedient and, and casting his, putting his nets down into the water. But, but before we do that, how many of you like to be told what to do? Wow. I had three or four hands went up. You know, Russia, you guys are all honest because no one likes to be told to do. You know, I, I'm getting to know, you know, how to, how to cook a little bit during this pandemic, uh, a little bit. But, but, but then Arlene, she, she's watching online. I love you, babe, but you're... Um, uh, <sighs> There's times, okay, did you put the salt in? What about the seasoning? This seasoning, that seasoning, this and that. And, and, and I'm going to say, why don't you do it yourself? You know, but I don't say that, okay? I, don't, but I pass it, but I just said it. She just heard it. So, so pray for me when I go home. But, but, but who, who likes, no, no one really likes to be told what to do. But we all have to have authority in our lives. You know, we, in, in one way or another, we all have to have authority. We have authority in multiple ways, in, in our jobs or, or, you know, students with their family and their parents, with, within the government. We, we, you know, we, we need to submit to authority that is around us. I, I'm going to do something as we start this message. It's a little bit not directly connected to it, but yet it is. is I, I want to pray for um, what's happening this, this week. Um, President-elect Biden will be taking um, the, the oath to be our next president. And can you imagine that, that taking that step, that you have people, Republicans saying, you know, well, Democrats saying, here's what we want you to do, because you promised you this, we have um, Democrats saying we don't want you to do that, and all these voices coming in. Then you have the extreme left, extreme right, the craziness, and every single word being analyzed, every deed being watched, an enormous amount of, of pressure. And, and, and so I think it's this Wednesday, is it? The, uh, the oath of office, this Wednesday he's taking that oath of office. He's putting his hand on the Bible. And, and, and here's what I'm praying is that not only do I want his hand on the Word of God, but I want his eyes in the Word of God. That, that the Holy Spirit will illuminate his understanding, just speaking to him about what not a particular party needs, but what the world needs. And, and that... That I believe that God is able to use them. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector on that, and, and back then it really was the government mafia on that, and because he was able to charge whatever he wanted, he gave the government what they wanted, and then he kept the rest. Then, 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 then Paul, well, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, and and so so there's there's that influence, but but I believe that God could speak to our leaders in a ways that, that we've never dreamt was possible. So would you stand with me as a body of Christ? Because if there's anything that, that I desire to see happening this day is, is not particularly what's influencing the White House, 
but what God's house is influencing the world. So, Heavenly Father, there is an oath of office that is being taken this coming uh, Wednesday. That there are people who agree or disagree. There, there is just, I've never seen such division in our country as we have today. But Lord, you are the unifier of all. I believe that, that you're able to speak into our political leaders in a way that uh, I, would, I would love to see just the miraculous signs of God speaking into their lives. So I, I pray for a covering. And, and as President-elect Biden places his hand on the Bible, Spirit of God, encourage him, inspire him to open that word and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to our world today. We, we, we pray for a covering over America we pray, Lord, that your, your work would continue to go forth in a way that, that, well, we've never seen before. I believe, Lord, that in the midst of this chaos, we could sense and have the greatest move of God that history has ever seen. And we will give you all the praise for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And in, in, in saying that, I, I, want, I want to emphasize that the final authority is the infallible Word of God. Now, I, I'm going to get into Luke, the, the fifth chapter, in, in a few, few moments, but, but, but just to give you a little prelude here, is have you ever wondered what it would be like to, uh, as a child, how they interpret the Word of God? I, I love working with children in VBS. 20 years ago, I've never did it before until I came here. And 20 years ago, I started to work with them and doing the Bible lessons. I would do five different Bible lessons five times a day with these children on five different levels. It was so much fun. And, and I love to hear the kids talk. And especially I love it. And they would say, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. And yes. Is, well, would you pray for, for, for my mom and dad? And now listen, mom and dad is... I won't reveal what child said what or what they said, but, but children have ears, okay? Now, pastor, 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 would you pray for mom and dad? Okay, honey, because they were fighting last night. <laughs> okay. And so, but children, they, in, their, in their young minds, they are influenced by all types of stuff around them. So here's some, some thoughts about how children understand the Bible. Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. <laughs> well, I know she was Joan, but Arc kind of fit. Uh, the fifth commandment is humor thy father and my mother. Uh, my kids in the past two weeks just turned 48 and 50 years old. I'm sure they, they took that scripture seriously, that humoring mom and dad. When my son was in college, he used to email us. Instead of saying mom and dad, he would say, dear parental unit, you know. It's just, then he told me what I didn't want to hear. I, I, I love this one. Uh, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. <laughs> okay. Um, when Mary heard she was to be the mother of Jesus, she went off and sang the um, Magna Carta. <laughs> I go, okay, wow. 
Where that child get that? Here's the last one. I really like this one. The first commandment was Eve then told Adam how uh, that he was to eat the apple, and we've been listening to orders ever since. I'm not going any further than that. Uh, let's turn to Luke, the fifth chapter, starting with verse uh, verse one. One day. Hmm. Any day, they say. But one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesis, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw um, at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were uh, washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down. I love it because when Jesus would sit, he would teach. He sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, I want you to visualize that because teaching from that, that boat, you're thinking, well, he's out in the lake. There's the waves coming in. There's the people are on the seashore. I'm sure they're talking. There's probably kids throwing stones in the water. All this distraction, how could they hear him? But, but I want you to know that, that God's word is miraculous. I went to, uh, several decades ago, I was at a general council, and, and we were in this huge stadium, and it was enclosed. And, and there's probably maybe 15,000, 16,000 people there. And during the worship, there was this little old preacher who was giving a word, a prophecy to those preachers. Now, I'm, I'm on the other side. All these people on the main level. Then there's, there's um, several rows up into these stands. And this little old man standing all the way across the stadium there, and, and he started to speak. And I was astounded how I heard every single word that that man was saying. And he wasn't shouting, he was speaking. When, when God wants his word to go forth, his word goes forth. It has, nothing can stop that word. Not the waves, not the people talking, not the kids throwing the stones in the water. They heard him teaching. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the net for a catch. Simon answered, I like, Simon probably didn't even hesitate, you know, because Simon, Peter, didn't have this filter, you know, he just says what he, he, well, not even what he thought, because he wasn't thinking what he was saying, but he just said it. Master, we worked hard. Now, he had to say, not worked all night. We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But, I love this, because you say so, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners. Listen, church, when God does something in our lives, it's not just about you. It's about people around you are impacted by it. 
And, and last week, um, Jacob, he spoke about partners. Go back and watch that video, the importance that who are we partnering up with. Partners in the other boats came to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. He wasn't mad. He was broken. Lord, I am a sinful man. And for he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on, you will fish for people. And we know fishers are men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. You know, those words must have been powerful. You know, people speak into our lives. Back in, in 1964, some words were spoken in my life. I, I was at this amusement park outside of Pittsburgh called Kennywood Park. Now, uh, that is not um, Disneyland, but, but it's not a carnival. It was a good-sized park, and it was great for students and families to be going to. I, I was standing right outside. Of, I, I could see it as clear as I could see you. I, I'm in this park. All this conquer, all these people walking around. To to my left is this roller coaster called the Beast. It was scary, you know. It was called the Beast, and and then just in front of me was these two sisters, and they were walking. I I, I kind of knew them. One of them was named Bonnie, and the other one was named Arlene. I'm 16 years old. And so, I, and I knew Arlene pre-elementary. Our families knew each other, and, and, and so I knew her. And hey, hi, Arlene, and hi, Tom. And, she, and then she said something. She said, "Would you walk with me?" Because a couple of guys are kind of bothering them. You know, now we've been now that's 56 years ago. I've asked her, who were those couple guys, or were there a couple guys? She's never admitted, you know, that there were anybody on that. Only thing I heard is that, would you walk with me? Those words changed my life because I started to walk with her, and from that day on, we have been together. Jesus, when he came into the lives of the disciples, he said, would you walk with me? Would you just give everything up you have, and would you follow me? They had to remember that moment because it changed everything in their lives. This morning, I want to talk to you about the authority of this word that is before us, the power of it. And, and I'm going to share with you five observations from Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11, because this is being demonstrated in the life of Peter, of all people we want. I want you to see how he responded to the authority of God's word. And I want you to pattern yourself after, <laughs> after Peter. Now, that worries me a little bit, even just saying that, but, but but there was some concrete about this. So, so the first observation is this, is that as with Peter, Jesus makes request of us to see how we will respond. 
He watches that. I, I find it interesting and, and when that happens. This week, I, or was it last week? They all run together, don't they, too? And, and, and honey baked hams had this tremendous sale. It was less than half price on their hams. And I said, hey, I'm going to go get one. I, but I didn't know if they had enough. And so I called, and they said, oh, yeah, we have it. And so I went out there and and, and when I went up to the counter, and says, I would like one of those half-price hams. And he says, oh, we're all out of them. And, and he had to see the look in my eyes because I just called him 10 minutes ago. And then he started laughing and goes, oh, no, we had plenty. I'm thinking, why did he say that? He just wanted to get, see the response out of that. And he laughed, and I kind of laughed. And, and, that, and, and I'm glad I didn't say what I was thinking at that moment. And I'm thinking, I just, but what, what happens is Jesus would say something to his disciples and see what they were saying. And here's, here's, here's what I really love about God's word is, is that he, he's kind of gentle, gradual, that, that he, he gives us his involvement in our lives and telling us what he would have us to do. It, 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 we see this in the, in the life of, of Peter. And he, first of all, they're, they're on the seashore. And, and then, then he stops teaching and and, and Peter may have looked and not looked, but he, all of a sudden, Jesus is in his boat. So he, he looks, and, 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 and being an experienced fisherman, he says, could you just take me out just a little bit? Sure, so I could teach. And so, no, oh, I could do that. I mean, it's, I, that's what I do for a living. So he takes him out just a little bit. Then, then after the teaching, he says, could you go out a little further, maybe to the deep there? He goes, okay, maybe he wants to go for a little ride or something. And after his teaching, he took him out to, to, the, to the middle of the lake. And, and then he said, drop your nets. Now, I, I don't know about you, is, is that I'm sure glad that, that he was, well, kind of gentle request in the beginning of my life. Because if he would have just told Peter right off the bat before, when he just got in a boat, he said, we're going to go out there and drop the boats, you know, drop the nets. Peter says, well, no, we're not, because we're not going out there, because I've been working hard all night, and that didn't happen. He got Peter used to saying yes. This morning in the first service, we had a word of prophecy that was spoken, and that word was, be obedient to God and the small things. Then the big will come. Now, for, now you, you hear this, and say, well, that makes sense. That's what God's saying, and that's a really good word. To me, as, as, as well, not only as a pastor, but as a man, because we men like to be affirmed all the time, you know. And, uh, I don't know, we just like to be affirmed. Oh, Pat, good, good job, you know. Uh, you're a great guy. We just, we just eat that up, you know. And, and so... So when the Lord spoke that, I didn't know if I wanted to jump up and down, shout, dance before the Lord. I told the first service I would have done that. All the cameras would have been over there watching me do that, and I would be on YouTube or something, or lay prostrate before the Lord. Because God was saying, what I gave you to share with this congregation, I'm reaffirming. I want you to hear this, church, is, is that this is so vitally important to understand. That God Almighty, in the midst of all this chaos in the world, that he took that moment of time, because he's able to do that, all things, 
And he spoke into this congregation saying, I want you to hear this, that you are to be obedient in those small things, and the great things will come. Now, this is what happened in the life of the disciples at this moment, is that those small things, getting in a boat, sitting on a seashore, taking out into the middle, then casting the net down. But that practice of being obedient, because you see, he's not going to tell us to just do something great without preparing us to walk in that obedience to do something right. The second observation is Jesus challenges us to trust and obey. I, I find it intriguing because here's what Jesus was talking to Peter. says, can you trust me in something that you know very well? Could you trust me in, in fishing? Okay. Uh, I don't know if I need to trust you or not. I know how to fish. And, and, and when we would trust God in the things that we really don't know what to do because we want answers. And, and we know that he's sovereign and he could do mighty things. But when it comes to stuff that we are familiar with, sometimes we set that aside because I could handle that. I could do that. I've been doing that for a long time. I, I really don't need a lesson in that because I understand how that works. But I want you to hear is Jesus wanted to do something in the midst of something that they already know. I, you know as much as I, I wanted to quit my job last Sunday and, and go to Africa with Jacob, God has called me to be here at this church with this congregation. God's not going to ask you to do something, which one, that, that you don't have a calling to, Two is that he's going to use your personality and where you are and what you are doing. Sometimes we think God wants to, well, we, we use the term, take us out of the box so that we do this great. I, I think he can, he does, in challenging us, but more often he uses you right where you are and what you already know, but he wants to, you to be better at it. Hmm. It's like, uh, I, I think I, I know how to be married. You know? 52 years is, is a long time. I have made enough mistakes that I've learned two lifetimes out of how to make this work good. But he says to me, do you know what? That 52 years is nice, but there's more I could give to you in this. Will you trust me in that? You see, church, God wants you to trust, trust him where you understand where you are. Third observation is we struggle in the areas where we have control and experience, and, and, and we do. I want you to understand that at the moment when Jesus walks in our lives, through his word, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, he will begin to speak to you right where you are in the areas that you think you're secure in or that you have control. And there's a tendency maybe for us to struggle with someone telling us how to do something which I already know how to do. You know, it would be ridiculous if some of you car buffs that know how to work on cars that I would come to you and say, let me tell you how to fix that, okay? Because the only thing I know about a car is that when the, the gas tank shows E, get gas. 
Besides, anything beyond that is I let someone else figure that out. So don't ever take advice from me on that, especially if you, you understand the, the makeup of, of the cars or whoever does that. I have no clue. But, but, but there is a their understanding. And so we don't want to receive something from someone who doesn't know what they're doing. But we don't want to receive anything from anybody if that is an area of our expertise. So we think we understand that. That's when we see Peter, he, that when, when Jesus told Peter that I want you to go cast your net in the water, the very first response with Peter was, well, we've already done that. We've been working, fishing all night long, hard, and caught nothing. If this, if this happened in the 21st century, Peter would say, look at Jesus and says, hey, been there, done that. That's it. But when we realize that, well, maybe there's something more to this. We kind of say, but Lord, I don't think I really need a lesson in this area. Is there anything that you're involved in in your life that you think you don't, well, you could do a little bit better? Maybe just a little bit? Because we all can. But we are so often not open to hear what the Lord has to say. We, we truly are a people of habit. And, and even though it could be a good habit or bad habit, we're a people of habit. And we're even doing something good. God says, I want you to do something better in that arena. But we're not always open for him to do that. That's where I need to take that authority of God's word into our lives. So what does Peter do? He says that we'll, cut, we'll drop the net. Actually, what he's saying, this just doesn't make much sense. I don't want to agree with it. I really don't think it'll work. But God, I will let you be the final. I will let you be the final authority in my life. Now, I, I pause at that because I want to challenge you this morning to hear this because in 2021, God is the final authority, and his word is that authority. And are you open allowing that authority to be spoken into your life? Because he has something more for you. See, the fourth observation is we are called to give God's word final authority in every not in those things that we don't understand. In every area of our life. Wow. I, I, I love that in every area of our life. Do we do that? Do we allow that word to impact our lives, to change our lives? Has it changed our life? Chuck Colson, in, in one of his books, was talking about the fact that so many people have Bibles, and yet the Bible doesn't change us. It's the number one selling book in the world. You would think that if it's the number one selling book in the world, that people, everybody will be reading it. A lot of people have them. A lot of people have multiple Bibles. But do we really read it? 81% of the people surveyed in a poll said that they were evangelical. Yet only 42% of them knew that Jesus delivered or preached the Sermon of the Mount. Forty-eight percent of them could not name the four books, first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, First Corinthians. No, oh no, Matthew, Mark, Luke, what? John. Oh, so you do. Well, what about the first books 
of the Old Testament. There's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. What? Numbers. Oh, some of you paying attention. Some in the first service kind of say, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, thinking, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, here's the thing. Out of the 1,382 people that were surveyed, less than, less than 1%, this kind of irritates me. Less than 1% said that the Bible actually changed their life. I would challenge them that if they're actually reading the word or not. There, there was a person who was, had a speaking engagement in, in one day. In the morning, he was speaking at a university. In the evening, he was speaking at a prison. As he reflect back on it, he recalled in the morning as he was speaking at the university, the, the president of the university says, uh, we want to give you the liberty to, to speak on, on any subject you want, except that we don't want you to talk about the word of God or the Bible. He found that interesting because he recalled that day is that when he went to the prison, the warden told him, as you talk to the prisoners, could you talk to them about biblical principles? And he thought, wow, is is that I, I can't talk to these students about the Bible, but I could talk to the prisoners about the Bible. Isn't that kind of getting the cart in front of the horse here or something? Is is that we want to wait until they're in prison, until we tell them about the Word of God, when we should be telling them about the Word of God as they were in college? It seems like we're, we're building hospitals on the bottom of the cliff when we should be building fences on the top of the cliff. What, what it seems like is that we really don't understand what the Word of God will do and how it could change our life and impact our life. And as we partner, people in our life will be affected by that Word of God within our lives. Body of Christ. I think that because so much has been given to us, or we have so many distractions this day, is that we have become, well, not so diligent in allowing the authority of God's Word to have dominion in my life. And when I don't allow that Word to have dominion in my life, I give my mind over to anybody else's opinion. And that's a dangerous place to be because God's word has to have that authority, but we ignore it so very much. Now, this brings me to my fifth point here. And that fifth um, observation is consistent obedience produces consistent results. I just love the idea that as Peter had that consistent obedience, getting in a boat with Jesus, going off the shore just a little bit, going out into the deep, then throwing, casting the net into the water. There was a consistency of obedience that he was following after. You see, the results they received that day were based upon their obedience to Jesus' word. Are you obedient to that word of God being spoken into your life? Paul, Paul talks to us about this. 
But Paul talks to us in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16. He says, all scripture, say all. Even you at home, say all. Let me hear that. All. Oh, okay. Oh, no. All scripture is God breathed. You know, God breathed. I love that because God's word to breathe upon me by the power of his Holy Spirit is that I need to be close to it. I need to be in proximity of that word. I need to line up with that word. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and teaching in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means reading it. That means listening to what it's saying in our lives. That means applying it to my life. And that means living it. I need to live that word in my life. When I read the word of God, what does it say? What does it say to me? And how can I apply my life to it? What does it say? What does it say to me? How can I apply my life to it? I need to be obedient to that word. John 14 verse 21 says this, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him I will make myself real to him you see I don't want to be have an acquaintance with him I don't want to just know about him I want him and my relationship with him to be real. I want my walk to be real. I'm telling you, church, you know I love you. And I, when I say I love you, you know you're putting your steel toe shoes on, okay? But I love you. But, but it's not hard to see when believers are not applying that word of God in their lives in their behavior and how they speak and what they say when they're not in the word I need that word alive and active in my life I need it to teach me I need it to rebuke me I need it to correct me and I need it to train me into that righteous walk because he wants to do something in our lives in 2020 21 because the world is primed for a move of God for a revival to happen because the people are searching for answers and his answers is in this word of God and that authority of that word and when I allow myself to become yes walking in that word being obedient even in the smallest things and especially in the smallest things so that I'm primed and ready for him to do what he wants to do within our lives. But we make so many excuses. It's too hard. It conflicts with what I want. Wow. It won't make me happy. Really? Nobody else is doing that. That's when you're partnering with the wrong people, my friend. If no one else is doing it around you, you need to correct that. It really doesn't matter much. Oh, it doesn't? 
you have an experience what he could do. See, the kicker in all this is Satan will give you a boatload of excuses not to read the Word because he is fearful of what the Word of God could do within our lives when I walk in obedience because I could speak to that mountain, tell that mountain to go into the sea. That mountain of a problem, that challenging issue in my life that I could speak to it. I don't just talk to it about God. I mean, I, I don't talk to God about that thing, and I do, but more so I talk to that mountain about God because I know His Word. His Word says. His Word declares. And when He says that you're worthless, I tell Him His Word says, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I am, you know, I am His child. Listen, church, in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, verse 11, tells us of what begins to happen when we have preconceived ideas of our own what should be happening. Is But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Indeed, I thought he would at least come out to see me and stand and call the name of the Lord his God. He wasn't even declaring him to be his own. He was declaring that not that to be Elisha's God, his God. And would wave his hand over the place of leprosy and heal the leper. Naaman understood authority because he was a commander in the Syrian army. But he didn't like the idea that um, Elisha sent a servant out to tell him what to do. But it was simple. He just wanted him to be obedient in the simple things. Go down to the river and dip in it for seven times. How hard is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's not hard. As an adult, I sure hope that, you know, most everyone could count to seven, go into the water and do that. But he, but he was upset. Why? Because he had a preconceived idea of how God is going to do it. Preconceived. See, when he works in arenas of your life where you, well, you know what's going on. You lived in those shoes for a long time, and you're comfortable with understanding what is happening because you're in control of that. And so you have this preconceived idea. You, you know, here's what I think God should do because this is how it will work really good for me. And God's way is much higher than our ways. And, and God says, I, I do want to move in your life, in that area of your life. But you've got to trust me and doing it. That's why when you get into the Word of God and when you talk, start taking one step at a, at a time, day at a time, and being obedient to things, He's not going to have you go from A to Z immediately. He's going to see how you respond to A, B, C, D, and E. He wants, He says, be faithful in those small things. Then I'll do the great things in your life. Why? Because He could trust you in that. If he just gives you the big things without that obedience and small things, what he has is a spoiled kid. Wow. 
and he doesn't want you to think that you deserve or demand it. He wants you to walk in obedience and knowing that it is God working and walking in your life with you. And it is a joy to be able to do that when I allow him to walk in our lives daily. Is that relationship that we're able to have. I never would have dreamt that 52 years of marriage could be this good. But 52 years ago, when we were getting married on that August 8th, 19th, uh, August 23rd, sorry, babe, August 23rd, 1968, if I knew what we would be going through, it would have scared the bejeebers out of me. But we were in love. And we took one day at a time, and we grew together in that. And we learned to trust each other. We learned to forgive each other. We learned to accept each other. We learned to see that partnership and what God is able to do. I want you to know, church, that is even as wonderful as marriage is, that that relationship with God is so much more and that when I partner with him and I know that word of God within my life and I take that word of God as a supreme authority in my life, I begin to see a great work and a great move of God. You see, what I need to do is I need to learn it. That means I need to read it. I need to love it. That means I need to believe it. I need to live it. That means I need to be obedient to that word. Family of God, here in this auditorium and there online, we have been laxed in taking that word of God as authority in our lives. And we have suffered because of it because we have done what we thought was we should be doing and not what God wanted us to do. And we get afraid because we think he's going to remove us from the box so far. He could, and he does sometimes, but more often, he uses you right where you are. He walks with you in the same path the journey that you're in. So would you stand with me, please? There's two prayers I'm going to have. One I'm going to pray. The other one I'm going to have Pastor James pray. You see, I wish I could be stronger or somehow to get this across to you. Because the condition of our world and sometimes the condition of the church in its shortcomings is because the people aren't people of the word. And in 2021, we need to be the people of the word because these are going to be challenging days. But when I walk in the authority of that word, I can begin to see, well, from the simple obedience to the great things boatloads of blessings, boatloads of miracles that God wants to do. But we can't experience that until, first of all, I have experience with Him. 
And in 2020, if that relationship that you've had with the Lord is, is, is lacking, for any reason you want to give, I really don't care. We just know that the Holy Spirit is saying, you could have done better. This is your time of saying, Lord, I want to do better. And maybe this is a time where you need to do it, period, because maybe you've never made that commitment. And you want to re- have that walk with Jesus Christ. And my walk in obedience is that, first of all, I need to be obedient unto salvation. So would you bow your heads with me? As I look across this auditorium, to use a home, the Holy Spirit sees where you are. And, and, and he's tugging, the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart and he's saying, my child, there are things I want to do in your life, but you didn't allow me or, or, or you were so caught up in other stuff that you ignored me. I was not a priority and I want to be a priority. So maybe for the first time or for the multiple time, this day you were saying, Lord, I want to be obedient unto you that walk that I have with you. I want to renew my relationship with you this morning. And it's not to embarrass you or be ashamed of anything. I'm not here to chastise. I'm here to encourage and challenge because I want you to experience that boatload of God's favor in your life. So if you need to do that right now, I just want you to look up at me and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I need more. Thank you. Thank you. I love you for thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking my time here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you online, the Holy Spirit sees that. Just maybe glance up into the heavens. And would you all pray this prayer with me right now? Heavenly Father, let's start again. Heavenly Father, this day, I desire out of my free will to have a relationship with you that is intimate, that is real. I invite you to come into my life to have that authority to teach, to correct, to condemn, and to develop. Me to walk in righteousness. I accept you and everything that you have for me this very day. For this day, I am your child, and you're my God. In Jesus' name we pray.